I'm Dr. Stephanie Champion. And I'm Dr. Tamara Agnew. And today we're talking to Dr. Mark Christick, who started off with pine in Tasmania and ended up with wine in South Australia. A smart, smart shift. A very smart shift. Welcome to Career Sessions with your hosts, Steph and Tamara. Proudly sponsored by Inspiring South Australia. In this series of career sessions, all of our guests hold doctorates in their chosen field, and we invite them to talk about their pathway from PhD candidate to present day. We ask them what they've learned, and we also ask them to give advice to people who might be thinking about a career in research when they've finished school or when they finish their undergraduate degree. So today we're talking to Dr. Mark Christick, who graduated from the University of Tasmania in 1997, following the completion of his doctoral research project titled Anatomical and Physiological Factors Affecting Adventitious Root Formation in Pinus Radiata Cuttings. He has spent more than 20 years working in the grape and wine sector here in Australia and overseas, and he's held many key positions. He's tackled the effects of fire on wine production following the Black Saturday fires in 2009. He's represented governments on international trade missions abroad, built a a world-class grape and wine research and development facility in Victoria. He's an international expert in viticulture, an accomplished author, speaker, and international wine judge. I'm not actually sure when you get to do your actual job. (laughs) (laughs) Like any good wine researcher, he loves all wine. (laughs) And these days you will find him in his office at the Australian Wine Research Institute here in Adelaide. So welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. Good to be here. (laughs) So just to set the scene for our listeners, what is your current role right now? So what are you doing? What does your day look like? Okay, so currently I'm the Managing Director of the Australian Wine Research Institute, so uh, which is a role I've only been in for about three months. Yep. Pr- prior to that, I've been working for the company for a bit over eight years in different roles, including in an extension role and also in a uh, business development manager role. So I've done a number of roles in the same company, so I know the company pretty well. Mm-hmm. My day starts early, 7 o'clock. I'm usually at work. Um and it usually doesn't finish until a little bit later on. And it feels like every minute of the day is packed with something. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think as you go through your career, you learn how to deal and skip between meetings, you know, and, and learn how to make sure you're prepared for the, the one that's coming up and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, lots of, you know, we've, we're at uh, the Institute, which is based at the University of Adelaide Wake Campus, mm-hmm. so up the road. Uh, we have around about uh, sort of about 135 staff. And we're, you know, doing all sorts of exciting things in grape and wine science and also other areas of, of science. So, and it's really rewarding. It's a great place to work. Is it part of Adelaide Uni or is it an institute no, on its own? Yeah, so we're, we're a separate institute. So we actually are a limited by guarantee company. So mm-hmm. we have our own, govern, we're governed by our own board of directors. Mm-hmm. And so, and they're made up of mostly industry representatives. Uh, and yeah, it's it's great. So we're quite a small but nimble organisation that was founded by the industry back in 1955. Oh. Uh, because there's some there, longevity there. There's some longevity, and so we we were uh, formed because I guess the industry wasn't being served by the current science people mm. out there within you know, the, the other uh, research institutes that are around. So yeah, and we've we've developed a world class reputation in grape and wine science that's sort of admired all around the world, which is mm. great. So considering I can't keep a houseplant alive, um, there clearly is a bit more to it than just planting a grapevine and letting it There's certainly a lot more than <laughs> in that. It's the right grape in the right spot with the with the good winemakers who know how to get the best out of it and obviously putting it all together, you know, and with a long um, history of tradition, mm-hmm. 
uh, and also labels. You know, that's why you know people are willing to pay you know up to eight hundred thousand dollars and beyond for a you know seven fifty mil bottle of liquid. It's a. It's not just a bottle of liquid. It's an experience. Yes, that's so right. That's do, exactly right. Do things like fires change? Uh, the course of the grapevine forever or is it sort of something that happens and then gets passed? Unfortunately, it's periodic. So it just sort of happens, you know, there's an effect in one year, then the following year it's all, you know, back on track. So mm-hmm. it's all good. So it's just dependent on the environmental conditions in that particular year, which is great, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, thankfully, because well, I think they were talking about wine shortages at one point. I think the world oh, kind well, of just, yeah. went a <laughs> we're just their rag. <laughs> So we're going to go back to the very start yeah, yeah, and no uh, we want to talk about your family and whether uh, were you first in uh, your family to go to university or did your parents go to university? Um, what happened and where did you go and what did you do? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So in my, my small family, I wasn't the first one to go to university, certainly, but my parents didn't go to university. So mm-hmm. they had me when they were a lot younger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of around about the 20 years old area and we um you know so uh, you know went through school and battled they actually ended up going through different education you know whether it be university or TAFE you know at one stage there to get qualified uh but for me I I actually um come from a family farming background so I, I kind of always liked the agriculture but it was more in my grandparents so you know my my um mother who was you know descendant of my grandfather of course you know was sort of in line so I always had this feeling of love for agriculture all the way through my schooling and also developed a real love for science. So, you know, maths and science always came pretty easy and, and PE and all those sorts of mm-hmm. things. But, um, you know, I really, really sort of took to that. And then it was actually, this is a bit of a funny story, but I, it was in year eight. I went home one day, you know, I'd done my own little research, looked at my mum and said, mum, I've made an appointment with the Dean of Agricultural Science at the <laughs> University of Tasmania. Can you please take me down there? I want to meet with him. So I remember, you know. A little in, precocious for grade yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, it's like a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah. I remember you know, rolling down and meeting the dean, um, John Madden, at the time down at the University of Tasmania and having a look around and he showed me around the facility and I actually thought, wow, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. This is something that I'd really like to get my head around. And then from that point onwards, I kind of always knew what my entrance requirements mm. were. Does it make any sense? So going mm. through, in through into a year 11 and 12, I, I was pretty clear about what I had to do to get over those sorts of things. Mm. And it's interesting, between year eight and year 12, the the entrance requirements became less. Does that make any sense? Oh. You know, you know, because <laughs> they're trying easier. to encourage people to get <laughs> yep. into the, yep. the yep. system. But, you know, I, I always um, sort of had that aim, you know, right from year eight about sort of where I wanted to go into the mm-hmm. university and, and study at the University of Tasmania. There's, there's, only, there's only a handful of people I think I've met in my life who have known what they want to do from a very, very young age. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I mean, look, my friends at the same time, I come from a bit of a rough neighbourhood, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, and my friends used to call me the glorified farmer. That was what it was, really. <laughs> so, but a farmer know. with a degree. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but no, it was good. And I, I did. And I, I, you know, identified, you know, from a, a young kid in, in, in Tasmania, which is, again, sort of at the bottom end of the world, you know, you, the real down under part of the of Australia. <laughs> it's the down under um, of down under. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and it was good. And, and I found, um, you know, really sort of flourished in that university environment as well. And you know, met some great colleagues. But, you know, what I did is I, I was really looking for that generalist science. I wasn't into pure science. I was more mm-hmm. into that applied. It wanted to be applied to something practical for mm-hmm. me. And that, that link to agriculture was always always good. Now, our family farming background was a grazing background, right? So mm-hmm. I always went in there thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, specialise in kind of like veterinary. You know, I actually wanted to be a vet, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, at mm-hmm. one stage. And I was, you know, there was no offering, offering of course, in Tasmania. I would have had to go to Melbourne or, or mm-hmm. elsewhere to... To do that, and 
Um, again, my family wasn't that rich at the time, so it just was a it was the natural progression just to stay within Tasmania and, and do that at uh, the University of Tasmania in Hobart. So, and as I went through my undergraduate degree, I kind of met a, you know you know those people that sort of change you if that makes any sense. So, I got certainly a professor in horticulture that I had um, Bob Maneri at the time. He was just put a really interesting spin on um, plants for me if that makes mm-hmm. any sense, and really got right into sort of plant physiology, plant biochemistry and those sorts of things. So for me, that was a that was a real, again, a moment of change where you're going, okay, you're thinking animals, vet, and then all of a sudden, wow, you know, I'm going to go mm-hmm. this way and go into plants and plant biochemistry and all of these really interesting things. So that, that's me. And he was, he was a specialist in um, essential oil production. So, you know, looking at fennel oil that's or world. Baronet, yeah. baronia and all these sorts of things. So that to me was really interesting. So here's understanding you know all of those things in the biosynthesis in the plant and then how do i extract that in a commercial sense to make perfumes or make mm-hmm. you know dill oil or, or whatever it was those particular things so that that really started me off so i did you know finished my ag science degree and sort of did honors in and around looking at um high menthofuran mint production so again it's different sort of peppermint production you yeah. know it was quite interesting um for me but yeah that's sort of how i got into it anyway and so did you go straight school, university, honours, PhD? Was that like, was yeah, there any I, time off in between all of that? Uh, I, I was a good social student, so there's no <laughs> doubt about that I made fun all the way through. I, I sort of did keep going all the way through. Just I was just keen to get, you know, finished and always had the end goal in mind mm-hmm. of, of getting there. I will say, though, that, you know, when I went into the undergraduate degree, I had no idea I was going to do a PhD. I had you yep. know, absolutely no idea. You know, I came to the end of my third year undergraduate and, you know, had the marks to, you know, ask to be going to an honours program and I did. And again, did really well out of that. And, you know, I remember writing my honours thesis, you know, from woe to go in three days, stayed awake for three days and just pumped it out. <laughs> wow. You know, but it was due on that day, if that makes oh, yeah, any sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah give, deadline. Gives you, gives you an insight into you know, how the way I work. <laughs> So, you know, I, I did that. And then the, the opportunity was looking in the ag science field. You can either go out and kind of be a field agronomist or a, a technician in a you know, high-value horticulture operation or, or into salmon farming. There's a whole lot of different options there. But, you know, the option, it wasn't until kind of, like I said, when I started to get toward the end of my honours degree where, you know, my supervisors were started to say, hey, what about a PhD? And I started looking at it. And at the time, for me, I looked at it and went, well, Tax-free wise, I would, you know, and salary-wise, I was probably I could go out and be a sales agronomist or something like that, or go out and do this, and there was no real salary difference. If that mm-hmm. made any yeah. sense, mm-hmm. so it's probably not like say law or, or I'm just dreaming about law or, or commerce here. You know that mm-hmm. there's this huge jump. There wasn't a there wasn't a, a real difference, and I always had in the back of my mind a great auntie from you know way back who died when I was young but a little thing that she said look whatever you do make sure you go as far as you can with education I went Mm. wow and that actually resonated at the time I thought well if I've got the opportunity to go on and improve myself why wouldn't I at least have a look at that so maybe a little naive (laughs) but I thought that was you know a good way to sort of go in that particular at that particular time anyway and so you had access to a scholarship yeah I did I was lucky to to get a you know again in choosing the project, you know, it was a range of projects put in front of me because this is what they had for 
you know, linking my uh, Commonwealth scholarship, my APA, with mm-hmm. a particular project that then had an industry top up yep. as well. Right. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, and that was you know that that's imp- that was important at the time because that was the difference mm-hmm. that really sort of made me Between sort of like, I'm not losing out here economically as well. Yeah, <laughs> because surviving. you know the the one thing about doing a PhD is you're probably not going to make it up financially. You know, compared to some of your colleagues who went off to do yeah. accounting mm-hmm. or something like that. That was uh, the path that I took. Yeah. So then you weren't able to to have complete freedom over your project, but you could choose from a range of projects. Yeah, I had a lot of, and again, I was, you know, in the ag sector, there was quite a few, but, you know, the university was quite successful in having a range of different commercial partners coming in, talking about, hey, we've got these problems in industry, you know, what do you think um, are going on? So, and mine was, the, the one that I picked at the time was just one that I, you know, I was interested in, in kind of nursery production, a bit of, you know, branching out into a bit of agroforestry as well, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And also the commercial partners that I had were a big, timber uh, player in Tasmania but also a big timber player in on the on the mainland um, in Victoria and in New South Wales mm. so um, and they also had branches in New Zealand so it was a good opportunity to kind of you know get in with a company that was a, you know bigger than just Tasmania as well at that time so agriculture must have a lot of indu- industry ties then because I, I don't think we've spoken to anybody else that's talked about having yeah. this industry link as strongly as you have yeah look like I said, that, that's my background. It's probably been my strength mm-hmm. during my professional career too, always having that, like I said, that professional farming sort of background mm-hmm. and also, you know, sort of seeing more of a general. So when you do an ag science degree, it's a very, you're not really targeted. You're not a very, you know, it's sort of, you could be doing, mm-hmm. like I said, aquaculture, you can be doing agroforestry, you can be horticulture, you can be broad acre grains. It's, all of those require quite, you know, different disciplines. So you just, you, you've got the tools to then go and learn a little bit more, which I found was, was really good. So then what was your actual project? Explain it to me like I'm five. Okay. No, no. My project was just, it's just around nursery propagation mm-hmm. of the radiata pine. So if I can say that. So we, instead of planting them, but you can plant them by seed, but they they had a whole genetic improvement program. It was about producing higher quality timber, mm-hmm. you know, from softwood um, pine. But they had some problems with the propagation from cuttings in the nursery. So, you know, what they were doing is you're going to the mother plants, taking a lot of cuttings, putting them into a raised nursery bed, but there was mixed chances of success for those mm. cuttings. So my, my project was just about trying to understand what were the causes for, you know, the mortality or decline in cutting success and, you know, understanding how do I say structural reasons why that was, you know, that was failing or whether there was more of like an internal biochemical you know, reason for why they were failing at different times in the mm. season. So, yeah, it was good and, you know, really was commercial so there's lots of trips to the into the into the commercial sector to really do a lot of sampling but then also a mixture of really doing a lot of really detailed biochemistry and phytohormone analysis in the lab you know understanding you know what what's going on in the processes behind that and how long did it take you to complete uh go to way was less than just a bit less than four years so, That's pretty good for yeah. a PhD. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, I look, I look back and I go, oh man, I was so naive. Like, <laughs> watch when I went out and did my postdoc with CSIRO. You know, the number of people that I saw still working and getting paid a lot better than you're getting paid at a at mm. a at a postgrad level, uh, but still hadn't finished writing up their PhD. I'm like, oh, dude, why didn't I do that? <laughs> but you know, there is there is a, a scary percentage of those that didn't actually finish as well. Yes, yeah. Up. Yeah. There is a, there is an argument for pushing yeah. yourself through and going. I'm going to finish when the scholarship ends, and that's my that's that's it. I'm done. Yeah, I yeah. was so pleased to see the arse end of it for sure. Yes. <laughs> so, what did your day look like when you were a PhD student? 
oh god, it was coffees in the morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> completely different lifestyle. Um, no, look, I, no I, seven o'clock starts. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, look, I, you know, it, it, you you wax and wane through that initial mm-hmm. stage, just sort of going off in a range of different directions. And I was also focused on a lot of different sporting activities at that time, so I had a lot of distractions and you know, girls and all that sort of stuff came in there as well, which was great. But you know, I, I think for the first couple of years, really just you know finding your feet about where you wanted to go and where you wanted to take the project. Being your own boss and just trying to drive your own agenda. So fortunately, I've been okay with kind of setting that and mm-hmm. being self-directed. So it's it's okay, but you know it can be a bit of a trap for the, the yeah, young players. Yeah, if you don't have a bit of self-discipline, you yeah. can spend a lot of time not getting a lot done. You can get a, spend a lot of time in the bar and the and mm-hmm. the cafes and so forth. Yep. You know, catching so up. So how, how old were you when you were doing a PhD? I think I started when I was about 21. Mm. Okay. So you got it 20, early. 21. Yeah, I think I was pretty. And I, to be honest with you, I do look back and go, wow, if I was just a little bit more mature, mm. I probably could have got a lot more out of it. I'm, like I'm glad I got it nailed and I was out of there. But I am sort of wish that you know, from an, ex- an experienced perspective, if I was just a bit more mature, I would have got a lot more out of that. So, you know, there is something to be said for having those gap years and those sorts of things. Yeah, I think, so maybe just a bit mature, of time in the industry or yeah, just yeah. outside of a university. You, you'd watch, yeah, I think so. Because mm. I think you watch some of those mature students that were coming back into the system and you could see that they'd kind of, you know, got that worldly experience and they knew what they really wanted to focus in on and they really became a more enriched um, experience for yeah, them. They yeah, they were there for a reason and they knew where they were going. Yeah. What was the most challenging part of your PhD, whether it's a, a, um, a part of the experiment or part of um, just the, the, the doing? Experience, yeah. <laughs> I, I think most, a lot of PhD students probably suffer the, you know, the kind of the midterm, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't know whether that's come up at all, but, you know, I, I remember sort of going, oh, wow, this is, you know, do I, you know, look, it all feels like it's going a bit too slow. Will I ever get to the end? Mm. Um, you know, supervisors sort of, you know, probably beating down on you a little bit, you know, and, and you need that kick up the backside, don't get me mm. wrong. But at the same time, like you're sort of going, wow, there's got to be a better life than this, you know. And, and I remember, you know, looking at applying for jobs about the two the two year mark and going, mm. I just want, you know, I want to go and do something else. This has this been is, dragging on. <laughs> yeah, this is great. But I just, you know, can I ever see the end of this? And, you know, I, I, I just envisaged, um, you know, being a little bit more, you know, sort of practical, I guess, in, in a bit sooner so i became a little bit impatient with myself uh and certainly hit that low point sort of you know in that about that two year mark mm. and and wanted to and i remember applying for a couple of jobs at the time fortunately i didn't get them mm-hmm. and i and i sort of kept going but yeah look at the same time I, I think you know i had great support from my family as well i think that's really important to sort of encourage hey look you know you need to keep going on because you know it was the only um you know person in the family that continued on to do a PhD mm-hmm. as well, which, you know, was great. And that was a bit of a motivator. And when you're halfway through a PhD, even though it's very hard to see the wood from the trees, you're almost there. That that finishing line is actually pretty close. Yeah. And it feels like it's an enormous still an enormous journey, but actually yeah. when you can look back at it and go, actually it was just two years. I, I'm uh, the thing for me, I have a lot of friends say to me, how the hell did you finish a PhD? You know, <laughs> how did you focus for more than five minutes and finish a PhD? I say it comes down to, for me, just outright stubbornness and determination. Like <laughs> I've started something, I'm going to finish it. So, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to keep ploughing on. And, you know, I, I, you know, it wasn't, I should say that I did work very hard. I remember at one stage in my PhD starting at 5.30 in the morning to, you know, because of the timing of different extractions and analysis yeah. and machines running. And finishing up at about midnight, 
and doing that for a month and then sitting there with the results for your PhD supervisor and they're looking at me and they looked at me and they said, is that all you've got? No. <laughs> <laughs> this, this feeling of launching, verti- you know, <laughs> yeah. va- launching horizontally across the table to choke them to death was... <laughs> was going through my mind at that stage. It's deflating. (laughs) (laughs) So have you supervised PhD students? I have, yep. Yep. So from your experience of um, being a student and being a supervisor, what do you, what what is the life of the PhD student then? Yeah, look, I think it's just that understanding of what they're going through. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, you can be a science coach, but sometimes it's also being a personal coach in Mm -hmm. some of those things and just trying to keep them motivated. I think there's students that you know that are going to really do well and are self-motivated and, there's, and, and they're kind of low input, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. You you kind of just sit back you and let, them, let go. them go. Yeah, you can let them go. There's others that you know do require a higher degree of, of, of maintenance and, and looking after and, and maybe a little bit of you know mm-hmm. forceful cheerleading. pushing. Cheerleading. Yeah, cheerleading. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> um, be careful what you say these days. Construed as bullying, can't it? So, but you do. Some, some you know Different people require different styles and mm-hmm. I think it's recognising you know that from afar and you know, those that are kind of self-motivated versus those that do, you know, just, just need a little bit more guidance. And mm. I think, you know, you've got to appreciate that both types exist out there and, and be willing to adapt your style of, you know, supervision to, mm. to meet that. So did you learn your supervision strategies from your own supervisor? Yeah, I think you do initially pass it on. But I think you also think, you know, what did they do wrong that I want to fix, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense? I always mm-hmm. think, you know, very much. Don't say, is that all you've got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I think you do have to, you know, kind of adapt and just, you know, work out what, you know, what that, what those individuals are. And just, you know, no one's, there's no one shoe, you know, size shoe fits all mm. kind of approach. Here. It has to be tailored. What became of your research and your, your findings? Did, did they, yep. are they useful to, to agriculture today or, or um, why, why is it important to everybody? I, I'd like to think they were used, but yeah, <laughs> like, no, my feeling is that they helped the, that nursery sector, which still operates pretty actively, you mm. know, certainly in different parts of the world. And also, you know, um, around the timber production, just be more successful in, you know, the nurse, the, the rate of nursery production, the strike rate and success in that nursery phase. Mm-hmm. And, all, you know, just just make that process a bit more economic and a bit more sort of um, sustainable in terms of a business uh, uh, for, for the industry and providing high quality genetic material to the, to the forestry sector. Mm-hmm. So it had a real practical application yep. that is in place. I've got, a, I've got a slight detour but funny story to tell you about my <laughs> – so I was looking at taking cuttings from different aged um, pine trees. Mm-hmm. And so I had to um, – one day I was going out near Christmas to my two-year-old pine trees to go and collect some mm. samples and they were all cut down. <gasps> so, <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, dear, I think I know where those trees went. <laughs> yeah, they might have been sold on the side by the local scout group or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but at least they went to a good cause for, for around Christmas time. But, yeah, that – that was a bit of a major uh, problem yeah. uh, at oh, one point. There it is with the growth. <laughs> wow. So what did you do? Uh, you adjust Just and, you know, going. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I had some other two-year-old, you know, stuff that was there that I could still use and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it was it was a bit of a shock oh, that day when I went up there, you know, <laughs> drove an hour and a half from Hobart right up place. into the forest <laughs> and I'll go. Where did the forest <laughs> go? <laughs> I can see where they've been cut off nicely down the bottom, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, your careful love and attention gave. Uh, you know, a family, a month's worth of enjoyment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's a lovely smelling houses everywhere we went there. So how did you get from there, Tasmania, to Adelaide? Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a long journey. But I, I um, so towards the end of my PhD, I did start applying for jobs and I really liked the idea of going to work with CSIRO. 
So there's a couple of postdocs going. Um, I actually applied for a postdoc in Perth, working in carrot research on water relations in carrot research. And it seems very specific. But yeah, carrots it does. have their own problems. They yeah. do. They do. Um, <laughs> so look, I, I thought, wow, this is great. You know, I get out of Tassie, go and live in WA. That sounded really good. Anyway, I applied for the job and I didn't get it. And, uh, you know, I was a little bit devastated. But anyway, the, one of the guys on the interview panel said to me, hey, look, Mark, you interviewed really well. But look, we just had a guy who finished his PhD in carrot research in Western <laughs> Australia, working on water relations. So you're a little bit... You yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 I, I was kind of snookered. Um, anyway, so he said, look, hey, but we've got this other job going in grape research up in, uh, in Mildura. Would you be interested? I went, oh, yeah, sure. Send me the position description and, you know, came through and I thought, oh, this sounds really interesting, actually. So, you know, jumped into it, packed up the car, moved up to Mildura in the middle of the desert up there in the, on the Murray River. That's a bit mm-hmm. different from Tasmania. It <laughs> is. And I remember the first month of being up there, it was, didn't think it dropped me below 35 during the day. And I thought, what have I come to here? <laughs> um, but look, I, I spent 10 years up and around Mildura and I worked, you know, with CSRO during my postdoc. And then I moved on to work with um, now Agriculture Victoria still up in Mildura and leading, you know, like I said, developing and leading a team of people up there. And, um, I, you know, early in my career, I had some really good mentors, you know, sort of older guys that looked at looked at me and sort of said, hey, he's a goer, you know, yeah. let's throw some resources his way and see what he can do and kind of lived up to that expectation. And all of a sudden, you know, um, found myself, you know, managing quite a, you know, 12 or 15 people and all of a sudden all the, you know, budgets and resources. And I thought to myself, out. I haven't trained for this, you know. Well, you know, they trust me with this. Yeah, I don't know anything about people management, and I think you know some of my prior experience. You know, not saying that they were bad managers, but they were just science managers. You know, they they were they were, they were good people, but really weren't um, experienced in probably you know traditional management sort of stuff. So I actually, you know, sort of said to myself, I don't want to be like that. I sort of. Couple of years, I think I was in about 2004, I actually started my MBA. So I did, and I was really particular about the program that I wanted to go into. And it was with the Mount Eliza through you know, Queensland University, we actually issued the degree, but it changed hands. I, I've learned that business schools make a lot of money as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it changed hands about two or three times. I think it started off with Queensland University, went to Monash University, finished in Melbourne Business School, but I got a UQ um, certificate, certificate yep. at the end of it. But I found that was really good because that really, you know, again, you, all the science training, but it was important to, for me to really understand more about managing people, resources, mm-hmm. negotiation, finance, you know, all, all of those things become really critical for, for business operations well, so and succeeding. intimately yeah. associated with the industry itself. It is, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I went off and did more study, but it was, it, that, was, that, was more, that was more fun. I felt like it was more of a, uh, you know, learning about yourself more mm-hmm. than learning about science or maths or that sort of stuff. It was it was it was nice. Did you go to it. Queensland or did you do it distance? No, I did. I flew in, flew out from Mount Eliza, which is on the Mornington Peninsula. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I was living in Mildura for most of it and then towards the latter, latter part of it, I moved to Melbourne in, in 06 and finished it uh, down there as well. I was living uh, down in Mornington there for a while as well, so doing that. That's beautiful down there as well. It is, yeah. But and, you most know, places to spend your time, I suppose. Look, for me, I, I've been lucky through my professional career to also get a lot of tra- trips in. You know, mm-hmm. some for short stays, some longer, and being able to sort of experience, you know, different research institutes all around the world, different industry. You know, it's always good to go and see different wine industries in different countries, and you know, meet uh, those people and you know, develop really strong networks in North America, Europe, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been really good. 
the skills that you developed during your PhD, you use them in your current role or was or do you use your, your um, master's uh, of business more? Oh, it's a bit of both. I mean, we're a science-driven organisation, mm. absolutely. Um, but, you know, we're, we're probably a little bit more commercially focused. We're not completely, you know, completely discovery blue sky science. Yep. We're, we're, we've got elements of that, but we're more in the applied, how does it make a difference commercially to mm-hmm. industry kind of kind of approach. So I think a blend of those has really been good, you know, right from my farming background through to my studies, it's been really important. But, you know, you've also got to be able to hold your own you know, when you're talking to, you know, the genomics, you know, group, you know, we, yeah. you know, on the on the board of the South Australian Genomics Centre, which has only just started up and there's a whole lot of medicos there and, you know, how you, how you put all those things together and make sure that, again, you've got your, your science fundamentals mm. uh, in what you do. Yeah. Would they not take you as seriously if you didn't have that sort of PhD background? I think there's a bit of that. I think there's a bit of that. I think title is important mm-hmm. to a lot of people, to, to a number of people. For me, I... I sort of see how they operate first and then and go from there. Title, you know, it's it's handy to have, but it at least levels the playing field for when you're talking to mm-hmm. those people and you can get on and, and talk about it. But I think to certain people it, it makes a big difference. And certainly if you're looking into the university uh, spheres, it makes a, a very big difference. Mm. Could you have done the job you're doing now without a PhD? Uh, I think you could have, but would they have appointed you? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've always had a history of having very strong science leaders uh, involved in, in managing our organisation that do have that industry crossover and that passion for the industry as well. Do you still get to get your hands dirty with research or are you kind of a bit more hands-off um, these days? I'm probably a bit more hands-off, to be yeah. honest with you, but you know, if the opportunity arises to you know, go and give a talk to industry on smoke taint or if it goes, you know, um, you know, get in the lab and taste some of the, the, the wines that they're, they're doing, putting through sensory and all that sort <laughs> that of stuff. That sounds good. <laughs> it's not always good, let me tell okay. you. <laughs> Mostly good, but not always. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you remember, you know, a lot of our stuff is about problem solving. So mm-hmm. you get to taste a lot of, uh, the lot mistakes. of fun, funky yeah. wines. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you end up with any papers out of your PhD? Yeah, yeah. there's some, yeah. certainly some publications that have yeah. come out of there for industry and, and so forth as well. And, you know, I guess I, I'm probably a little bit different. I haven't been a paper driven. You mm-hmm. know, that's not been probably why I've not sort of gone into academia, you know, professionally. That's not been the hugest driver, but certainly, you know, I've, I've you helped publish and published a lot of stuff myself over the years, be it, you know, peer reviewed or industry trade articles. Or, oh, yeah, they want or, outcomes, but or it doesn't fact have sheets, to whatever. Be a, yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah we, we, we get involved and the output that we have from a science perspective at AWRI is very strong. You know, mm. we, we, we're very comparable to university standards. So, you have yeah. a lot of, um, uh, I noticed your CV is quite long with conference. Um, oh, I don't conference. Know which version you got, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the long one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you enjoy your PhD experience? Yeah, I did. I think it is is great. I mean, again, it's. Um, I think you know universities do create a great environment to allow you know a lot of good learning, and I think you know you meet some great colleagues and you retain those all through your life. Um, you know, it, it's it's it, it is a hard slog sometimes, but you know it, it's worth it in the end. I think if you can be doing a a job that you love, it doesn't feel like a job. Kind of mm. thing, you know what I mean? I think, mm-hmm. and that's that's the way I feel at the moment. Yes, it, they're long hours with what you do, but. I really don't feel like it's, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm lucky every day, every day you get up and you go, wow, I'm going to work at the Australian Wine Research Institute. I feel <laughs> very proud of that. And like I said, the, the team we've got there are an amazing team of very, very talented people. And like mm-hmm. I said, when you have those conversations, the people go, wow, I never even thought about that. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's fantastic. And there's just so much talent there. Um, and also 
within that weight campus, you know, more broadly as well and the world. Do you feel like you had to make any kind of compromises or sacrifices in order to complete your PhD or I suppose you've already talked about that financial loss, that yeah. not, not loss but missed like opportunity. There's those years that you weren't earning, you had to catch up. Yeah, I always had a, just a longer-term vision on it all. Like, you know, I used to see my friend, I remember a friend of mine, one of my best mates, uh, went off to the Navy when he was 16. You know, come back and he was driving all the best cars. You know, at 21, he was driving all the best cars, had the best motorbikes and, yep. you know, house and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, God, where am I? When am I going to get anywhere near this? You know, But, you know, I always, you know, sort of had that 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 mindset that, um, you know, I just wanted to, I was pretty clear about what I wanted to do and mm-hmm. where I wanted to go and, for me, that that drove me anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, to you, what is a PhD? A PhD is to me is just a way of, you know, really trying to focus your thinking and think deeply about stuff, mm-hmm. understand the processes that you can, you know, the tools that you have available to you, to understand um, a problem or an opportunity and really explore that in all of its dimensions. And then also, you know, to ask questions and, and have a hypothesis about how you might then go about answering that mm. and building on new knowledge. And that to me, it's it's about the training in the in the, the, the process of science. Yeah, you know, about, so you know, the topic you, is less yeah. important perhaps than the process. Yeah. yeah, and I guess it's also, you know, making sure that you've got that open mind mm-hmm. to look at it objectively from all angles and then, like I said, to you know, use all the tools of science that we have available to us to answer the question in the most thorough and robust way. So, if somebody, if anybody's listening and contemplating a PhD, uh, what what advice have you got? So, graduates are about to complete their um, undergraduate degree. Uh, my my thing would be just to be able to talk, you know, you know, find those networks and those people and talk about, you know, what they're doing. You know, go and talk with other PhD students that are enrolled at the moment. You know, I, I think it is, you know, don't be afraid to come and talk to the CEOs, the managing directors. The, what, Send what, them an email. They might invite you to come for a tour. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you know, if I've got someone who's going, oh, wow, this, you know, and happy and we're, and we're really happy to be involved in, how do I say, year, you know, high school, mm. you know, year 11, 12, what it might be. People to come and see and see what science is about, so they can they can understand that. Um, for me, I, I think it is a very rewarding career. For me, I've really enjoyed. Um, like I said, it's the technical challenge. I love that that you know how you can really flex your brain on all dimensions. But for me, it's also about the networks that I've built. You know, the places I've been able to travel internationally. You know, as a result of doing the the work and the career that I have, and I've really enjoyed that. I, and I feel like it's it's really enrich my life and I've actually like it's interesting when I left my PhD I went dude I never want to see you again for a long time but now it's it, at this stage of my career and I'm not saying now for the, at least maybe the next 10 years but at some stage I'd like to give back mm-hmm. at some stage as well and really try and you know um, help enrich some of those you know undergraduate or postgraduate people as well and, and look I still like I said I've been involved in in supervising a lot of high degree students mm-hmm. and, and whatever, but I think, you know, I'm really keen to get back, you know, at some stage to give back a little bit more as well. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's that's really, um, it's really great. I love seeing people grow, you know, and I think that's really great. Knowing that I've, you know, worked with you and now you're that person. Yeah. You know, I've seen, um, 
you know, there's been people that have had long careers, uh, you know, in the University of Adelaide that I know quite well, Peter Dry. I'll call out Peter Dry, <laughs> who worked at the university for 40 odd years. Mm -hmm. And he kind of knew everyone. He'd, he'd trained or had some influence in their viticulture careers. And it was really nice to say, you know, he's really had an influence on those people mm -hmm. and, you know, made a big difference to the to the industry. And I think the industry acknowledged that. But I, I think for me, you know, those are the sorts of things. And hopefully I'm doing a little bit of that in my current role with, you know, mentoring and taking people through uh, it is the organisation. A, a legacy as in addition to the research and the roles you've had, yeah. the impact you can make on the people who are coming up in that in industry. So that when they're being interviewed on a podcast, they'll be calling you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fine, Mark, you're so important to us. You're welcome to come through my PA to try and get to me. <laughs> 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 um, the um, you know, Natalie, that's a call out to you. Um, <laughs> so, no, but look, it, it is <clears throat> it is good. And I think we've got, you know, like I said, happy to, you know, for people if they want to come up and see what happens in grape and wine science and mm -hmm. understand more about where some of that basic science can really go. Mm -hmm. uh, happy to show them. I can tell you now, if I had a choice between carrots and wine, I know which yeah. one I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think you've got the best. I think the other thing just that, that can be a little bit debilitating sometimes in science is the grant writing process, right? Uh -huh. So the you know, finding money to keep alive. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, also, you know, you can, you can look at it from a, oh, I have to apply to get money to stay alive here. But there's the other side of it is, oh, wow, I can create my future. Mm. Yeah. You know, you can actually go into areas where you want to go to as well. That's true. Yeah. You can kind of divert a little off. Yeah. So and um, so you talked about school kids, but if you yep. are, uh, if a group of school kids are about to leave school and start university, but they're feeling a great deal of pressure, uh, about the decisions Making that they have choices. to make forever. Yeah. What What do you say to them? I say, <clears throat> you know, if you still don't really know what you want to do, go and start something. Mm. And, you know, you, you've got the ability to change as you go through. But, um, you know, I think that university environment can help, you know, perhaps define what you really want to do. The number of colleagues and friends that I've, I've seen start on something but then switch and major in something else um, is phenomenal. But at the end of the day, they did find, by, by going in at some point, they did find where they wanted to go. Yeah. Yep. So have you ever done this sort of reflection on your PhD journey before? Never. So you, you sort of finished it and it was like done. Oh, no, I've, <laughs> I reflected on it a lot, but I've never done a podcast about it. <laughs> and do you know where it is, your thesis? Yeah, it's in my, on my desk in my drawer. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do ask that. Not everybody yeah. can lay their hands no, on it. So. No, no, no. Awesome I've got, I, so I've, look, I've, I've just moved to Adelaide three months ago. And I made sure when I when I set up my office at home that you know it's there. I, I know where it is. Don't worry. I'm not going to forget the four years of hard work. No, yeah. And it's also it's no doubt available in the university library. In, oh yes. at, and Sandy Bay in, in Hobart. Yeah. And so finally, um, what ha what myths have you heard um, about the life of a PhD student or being a doctor um, that you really want to say? No, that's not true. I want to set the record straight about that. Myths that, um, you know, I guess people people who go there just to come out with a doctor name, if mm -hmm. they think that that's going to be, you know, that's going to grant you all of a sudden a licence into the, you know. A, a, doctor a, land. <laughs> yeah. Doctor land and give you a you know, huge salary boost and yeah. lots of stuff. I think they're the myths that you need to be aware of that um, there are a lot of PhDs out there. Mm -hmm. um, that it is, yes, sometimes it's nice to use the doctor title or the professor title or whatever you might have. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I think, you know, it, it really is the, the myth that I want to dispel is that once your PhD is finished, there's still a lot of hard work ahead of you mm -hmm. and it doesn't finish. Um, you know, if you really want to succeed, it's it's hard work, hard work, hard work. Yep. No resting on laurels here. No. Yep. Yeah. Not at all. I'm sorry to dispel any of that, <laughs> that myth.
But yeah, look, it, you know, it's a gateway, but it, you know, like I said, you know, I guess it's, you, you're learning how to do research, you're learning all of the process of it. But if you really want to be successful afterwards, you need to apply that, you know, and, and be, um, you know, be, be diligent about that as well and have a good work ethic. Yep. Yeah. Because uh, uh, it was certainly something I heard a lot was when you've done your PhD, all these doors will open. And yeah. I was like, where are they? I was like, those doors were there. But yeah, you really did have to yeah, keep Yeah, you still pushing. have to keep working to get those doors open. It's yeah. not, it's not, this doesn't, it's not an automatic sliding door. It's a, you know, yeah, you've got to uh, plug on. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, when, when employers are looking for people, a PhD is just the tick box part. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yes, you've got the, You've got those hard skills, you know, on a CV that says you meet the minimum requirements. Mm-hmm. But just remember, when you go to an interview, you've got to be prepared and just demonstrate all your soft skills that you can bring to the organisation. How are you going to fit in with all the rest of the team? Yeah. How are you going to, you know, what's your track record? In you know, what have you done since your PhD? That's the big one too. So, you know, a lot of people you know, are looking uh, at all of those different attributes. And you know, you know, did you do your undergrad at the same place you did your postgrad? Mm-hmm. You know, have you had some overseas experience? All of these things really matter um, when employers start looking and picking apart because we apply for a senior, you know, we put a, an ad out for a senior scientist role, you know, and we put it out globally. We'll get, you know, 100 or 150 applications and mm-hmm. they're all got PhDs, right? I don't want to just, you know, so <laughs> yeah. we need to, we, we go through and you know, we're looking for the cream of the cream and yep. you've got to work, look at what, what sets you out from the others as well. Wow. Excellent well, advice. Um, we know your time is precious. So we are really very grateful for your time today no and your generosity and your stories. Yeah. Um, and we, um, yeah, just thank you so much for coming along. No worries. Thank you for the invitation. That and is always right. good to catch up and talk about these things. So yes. Good. No Excellent. Worries. Thank you so much. The very last thing that we should end with is a huge thank you to all of the people who came and gave their time to be interviewed for this podcast series. It's, very generous. It was very generous of them and it was so fascinating. And after every interview, I felt so inspired <laughs> to be a researcher and, and to use my PhD. So it was a very eye-opening experience and a, um, a, a really interesting experience. Yes, and we're really very grateful to yeah. every single one of them. But we're also especially grateful to Dr. Sharon Pittman for yeah, telling who us, gave us the, about the, grant. <laughs> the inside story about the grant. Yes. yes, who gave us the inside story about the grant that we applied for and we got, which supported um, the production of this podcast. So thank you to Inspiring South Australia and to Sharon Uh, for your very generous um, support of our podcast. Thanks for listening to Career Sessions with Dr. Stephanie Champion and Dr. Tamara Agnew. If you like the show and want to know more, check out www.careersessions.com where you can send us your suggestions for future series and subscribe so you know when a new episode is posted. If you love it, tell all your friends and please leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks to our sponsor, Inspiring South Australia, for their generous support, and to our producer, Rory, at Podbooth. Join us next time when we talk careers with another leader in the field.